Welcome to another episode of Right Brain Rounds. Today I have Dr. Sharon Grossman with me. She is a PhD psychologist and executive coach, and she is getting ready to um, do a big tour and um, promote her new book about burnout. And we're going to talk about that today because I know that there are a lot of physicians out there listening who have experienced burnout and have discovered resilience after burnout. But Dr. Grossman has something to say about that. <laughs> so welcome. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And it's very uh, exciting. Talk, talk about something that nobody wants to talk about, which is burnout. Yay. <laughs> and I think this is probably a bigger issue um, given the surrounding circumstances of a pandemic. So I really wanted to get into that with you and, um, you know, talk more about what you've seen in your experience in coaching people and talking with them and your experience in helping people through burnout. Well, yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up. So burnout, as we know, had been an issue prior to COVID. And the statistics were about one in two physicians were burning out, mm -hmm. roughly. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that they've done studies because it hasn't been, you know, really even a year since COVID started. So I don't know what the statistics would look like now. But what I can tell mm -hmm. you from just my experience is that there was a surge in anxiety, a ton of anxiety when COVID first started about all this unknown, going to work and will there be enough PPE and um, what's going to happen if I contract it and then I bring it home to my family. And then there was all this stress about kids studying from home and not going to school and how am I supposed to work and be the teacher and and clean my house and do all these things right so I think there's just like a lot of added pressure during this time and what I've seen and not everybody I would say is necessarily at that burnout place and what I mean by that is so burnout is basically a spectrum Right. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we don't really classify ourselves as in the process of burning out. We only really identify it after the fact where it's like, I'm already at the end of my rope. I can't do this anymore. I need to change my career or something like that. Mm -hmm. But but really, it's it's a process that happens. And so if you're having tons of chronic stress or lots of anxiety, that might actually be you in the process of burnout. So. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to do is, yes, I help people who have already kind of burned out and want to recover, but I'm also trying to focus more specifically on women in medicine who are having a lot of anxiety to help them deal with all of the stressors in a different way by helping them think differently and helping them manage their time differently so that they don't burn out, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think I've seen a lot of increase in anxiety. The people who are burning out, and especially the men, what I see a lot of is it turns into irritability. So, and, and not only men, but that seems to be kind of more the predominant uh, mm -hmm. direction um, where, you know, if you find yourself coming home and taking all of your stress and your um, negativity out on your family members, even though that's not your intention, 
and you wish you could just turn that off, but it's really hard to figure out how to, then that could be a sign that you are burning out. Sure. And so it sounds like you're focusing more on the preventative measures and um, educating people on how to identify if they are starting to burn out and not when it's kind of too late or you're already in that downward spiral towards depression and, you know, giving up. I'm actually doing both. Um, My, my ideal would be to help people catch it early. And so because they're not identifying as burned out or in the process thereof, I'm really talking about anxiety with them. I'm talking about how are you managing stress? How are you managing anxiety? Because if you think about what burnout actually is, it's when you have chronic stress over time and you don't feel like you can manage or cope with it effectively. And so Mm -hmm. you're turning to maybe alcohol or you're turning to food or you're doing something to kind of help you manage in the moment, but it's kind of a band-aid approach. It's not really changing anything except that now you have an additional problem, right? Because now you have weight gain or now you have, you know, alcoholism on board or something else. And that can only perpetuate more depression and things like that. So what I'm trying to do is actually give people the tools that they need in order to think about their situations differently. Because if, if we know anything about stress, it's really what it boils down to is perception, right? It's how do we perceive the situation? And do I see myself as someone who's going to be able to cope with this difficulty? And what anxiety really is, is thinking about the future, something that hasn't happened yet, and worrying about all the things that are going to go wrong potentially, right? And we spend a lot of time and energy focusing on these future scenarios. And uh, this is where this kind of spiral starts um, because it's hard for us to turn it off. And so I'm teaching people how to manage their brain in a new way. Sure. And do you feel like there are certain things in general that help people once they're able to identify that they're anxious and thinking about things that, you know, possibly may never happen, um, spending a lot of time worrying? um, Are there certain techniques that you recommend? Yes, absolutely. I've actually built a whole program around helping women in medicine with their anxiety. And what we do over the course of three months is actually teach them everything that they need to know in terms of how to think differently about situations and really understand the way that their brain works. So, you know, we've got this primitive brain that is trying to keep us alive. And so it is trying to find all the things that could potentially go wrong so that it can help us survive them right? So we're constantly getting into this fight or flight if we're thinking about these potential catastrophes in the future. And so what I'm doing is I'm teaching them how to think differently, how to interpret situations differently. And that I think if you were going to boil it down to one thing, it's empowerment. Because oftentimes we don't understand that it's not the it's not the events that are happening around us like it's not the coronavirus that's making you feel anxious or stressed right it's your thinking about it the way that you interpret the situations around you and the circumstances that is creating all of this angst inside of you and so if you learn mechanisms to think differently you're going to have completely different results 
-hmm. right? So I really am trying to take them from this place of constant worry, this barrage of anxiety and stress to a place where they are in control of their mind, where they are really confident about using the tools that they have. Because I think part of the issue is, you know, I know that I have this problem, but I don't know what to do about it. Or I know that there's all these tools, but I don't really have confidence in using the tools, right? So it can be like a whole variety of issues. So really like working with them throughout the whole process to get them to a place where this is almost like second nature and they can do this and, and just know they've got this whole toolbox of things that they can go to when they need it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important in times of uncertainty is having something that you have control over. And like you said, you know, being able to stop that fight or flight response, that sympathetic response to stress that is imagined in your head, um, those thoughts that you're responding to and changing those thoughts. Like that is the one thing that you have control over in this time of uncertainty. And I think that's, you know, part of coaching as well is saying, you know what, it may not be, I mean, the end of all of this pandemic and, you know, everything that's going on in the world may not be predictable. And the worst case scenario is probably not going to happen 99% of the time. That's right. Learning that, knowing that, knowing how to center your thoughts around getting to a goal that you have, um, whether that is, you know, weight loss or, you know, stopping, you know, using alcohol as a crutch, you know, to, to get through something that's stressful in your life. Um, or, you know, like you said, additional burdens that you might encounter by trying to deal with stress in, in ways that are harmful to yourself, um, that, you know, you can actually have control over your thoughts and have better outcomes. So I think that's really amazing. And, you know, kind of one of those things where if this can be a tool at any time, this is the perfect time. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny that you say that because I'd been working on this book for the last two and a half years. Uh, yeah. I, and, and basically a book on burnout. Um, and I was, I was going to publish it in March and then Corona happened. And oh, I'm like, yeah. you know, this is probably not the best time to be putting out this book because everybody was going to start working from home. And I was like, oh, okay, like so much change is happening right now. We have to deal with this current situation. And that's when I kind of pivoted and I started working on some side projects. But after being in it for all these months, I said, you know, people are kind of settling into this. This is kind of the new, new, if you will. And I'm like, this is probably a good time because now people are people who were burned out before are still going to be burned out, but there's a whole new level of things that are happening in terms of anxiety and stress and all the things. So, uh, you know, I, I decided to publish it now in October and I'm super excited to finally have it out. So, so yeah, if you're, if you're interested in it, it's called the seven E solution to burnout and it's just got so much for people to be able to coach themselves through the process. Yes. Um, I've got tons of exercises and a workbook and online resources. So it's really like a, something that I hope will be a good resource for people who are struggling and just want 
something to read. I mean, I think at the very least know that you're not alone in this mm -hmm. and um, learn all the tools and the different mindsets that can really help you get through this, this difficult time. Sure. And, and do you have a website for the book or any other um, different digital connections that you can tell the listeners about? Yeah. So actually, if you go, so the book is called The 7E Solution to Burnout. And the website is 7esolution.com. Awesome. Um, it's just the number seven, the letter E as an elephant. Um, and on that page, you'll see it talks a lot about the book and what's included in the book. There's also a bonus program that I put together because I know that burnout is actually a lot more pronounced in the workplace than some people are willing to admit. Um, and so if you can identify it for yourself and you know that a lot of your colleagues might be able to benefit from reading it as well, I did this incentivized program where you can buy multiple copies to gift to your colleagues and then you in return get a number of coaching videos from me throughout the course of three to 12 months, depending on how many copies you buy. So I'm really hoping to spread the word about this and to help people um, not just help themselves, but gift it to others who maybe aren't as likely to know about it or to go after it. That's really great. I am in line to buy multiple copies for my Aww, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I will it. gift it all over the place. I, I really do believe that this is um, going to be so helpful to people. And, you know, a lot of times I kind of, um, currently I'm getting my MBA and I kind of look at how coaching has been used in the executive world and why, in the field of medicine, this hasn't become a thing. And I don't know if you have identified this or seen this, you know, just kind of more recently where people are like, Hey, you know, that might actually be helpful. And, um, I'm not going to associate a stigma with that. Um, ha have you seen kind of a change in coaching in the medical world? You mean there's a stigma around coaching itself? Yes. You know, I think it really depends. I've seen a lot of growth in terms of physician coaches. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times it's people who were physicians themselves and were, you know, got to a place of burnout and decided that they wanted to switch careers. Mm -hmm. And then they started coaching other physicians on how they can have this fabulous life while they're still practicing medicine. Uh -huh. Other times it's like helping physicians to transition out of their current situation. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's people like me who aren't physicians, but have an interest in working with physicians because, mm -hmm. you know, like in my case, it was because I was specializing in burnout and it just so happens that there's a ton of burnout within the medical world um so i think there's there's definitely that in terms of like the consumer end of things i think that if you are a physician and you really value you know education and certifications and things like that you're going to look for somebody who has got all the diplomas and all the you know, all of, all of the check boxes. Um, but ultimately, I think the, the question that you should be asking yourself is, 
who can help me the most, right? Who has a track record of being able to help somebody in my situation as opposed to somebody who's like got all the certificates because that's not necessarily a guarantee of success, you know? And there's no right answer to that. It's just you have to find what is it that you're looking for and who can serve you in that space. And I think there's just like so much out there, you know? There's a ton of resources for people who are struggling um, whether they're physicians or not. Um, so I think in this day and age, we've got probably hundreds of thousands of coaches out in the world who can really work globally. So it doesn't really matter where you're located. It's not like therapy where, you know, you'd have to go into the office every week and see somebody in person. It's, it's a totally different animal. Um, and I have to tell you that it's, it's definitely not something to frown upon because even um, like myself, I've used coaches, I've used so many different kinds of coaches, but you know, to help me in my business. And it's been something that's allowed me to grow to where I am today. And um, so, so many times when we're um, in our particular businesses and situations, we're trying to do it all on our own. And it's really hard to be successful so it's, it's nice to have somebody who's experienced who can help us learn all the things that we need to do yes definitely and when you think about your seven is it seven steps in your book yeah okay exactly um i mean this is something that's easily accessible as far as like being able to remember those steps and help you on a daily basis as far as people who might be, you know, in the midst of burnout or experiencing that? Absolutely. So I love, I love the question. And, and definitely, um, I try to make it as easy as possible for people to be able to hold on to the information. Um, mm -hmm. So all the seven steps actually start with the letter E. So hence the name. Yes. Um, and you know, they may not remember like exactly which E comes first, second, third. I mean, I've tried to kind of make that. I've, I've got diagrams and I've got all these different things in the book. It's, it's not that important, honestly. Like there's definitely a sequence in the very beginning that is, is good to follow um, because it makes sense, you know, but also depending on where you are. And more importantly, I would say I wrote the book in as simple a manner as possible just to provide some thought-provoking questions, exercises, and case studies that the reader can coach themselves, as I said, through these different steps, mm -hmm. right? And, and in addition to the book itself, I've also provided a lot of other supplementary um, resources. So there's this digital workbook that you can fill out. It's, all the questions are also in the book, but if you wanted to kind of fill it out and print it out for yourself, it's there. It also comes with additional online courses. I, I gift them like a seven-day burnout challenge. Um, there's awesome. the, the bonus program. So there's like tons and tons of resources for people to be able to work on it. And everyone's going to take different pieces of it and, and work with whatever they need. Um, and it's something that they can come back to over time because their situation might change at work. And so they might decide like right now, this is what I need. And then they know that it's a resource they can keep coming back to and, and pull out a different piece whenever they need that new piece. Sure. And do you use an assessment at all to have people at the very beginning 
kind of figure out where they might be on that spectrum that you discussed of burnout? So I don't have a, like a before and after for the book. I do have for my program, because I want to see, I'm kind of gauging where they are in their life from a whole variety of different angles. Mm-hmm. For the book itself, I do include a couple of questionnaires about their energy level, because one of the biggest things we see with burnout, first and foremost, is exhaustion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really kind of assessing their energy level. And that's something that they can certainly take at the beginning and then once again at the end if they've made some changes and implemented some of the things that they've learned from the book for sure. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine, um, I know in my um, practice, it seems like every day we have a new circumstance surrounding COVID exposure or you know, what should we do in this situation? Who should be isolating? Who should get tested? who can actually come into the office to be seen, who needs to be seen via telemedicine. I mean, these are decisions that you're making every day. And um, it's kind of like decision-making fatigue in in my opinion, and Mm -hmm. using your brain so much to try to figure out something that like, you know, we've said in the past, you know, the pandemic is kind of unpredictable. I, I think the only thing that we know that, you know, the unpredictability is predictable. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I can totally see how in times like these with our circumstances and the environment that it could lead someone who's already kind of on the edge of burnout in, you know, into burnout even deeper. So um, is, is there a way to identify that as well? Well, I think I think what it boils down to is the way that you're looking at your situation. So it is true that we've had more uncertainty now than the norm. But as you said, this isn't really new because we never really did know what the future was going to hold. We had more um, more stability, you can say, right? Where where you can probably guess what tomorrow is going to look like and for the most part be right, but there's never any guarantees about what's going to happen in the future. Um, What this is, I think, doing is really helping us build a new skill. And I think that's a nice way to really think about this. It's helping us, it's, it's stretching us to build up our adaptability and um, to, you know, you're talking about create, making a lot of decisions in the moment. And I think that's actually like a really important life skill. So if we can look at it as, you know, a, a challenge rather than a threat, it helps us to get out of that fight or flight state. And um, the more you're able to do those kinds of little nuance changes, the more you're helping yourself to stay calm in the face of adversity. And then making that decision-making kind of natural to you and and learning about it and looking at it in a way that you can have some control over your thoughts and how you react to things. And how do you react to certain situations when there's not an external stressor? And how do you respond in ways when there is something, where do you pivot when you're under an immense amount of stress and, and 
maybe predicting that in the future and looking at how you'll react to it in the future with a plan? Well, certainly I always tell people like there are things that are out of your control. And so don't fight those, you know, because it's a huge expenditure of energy that's not going to get you anywhere. So if you can distinguish between the things you have control over and the things that you don't, then you can focus on the things that you have control over and you can make plans. And then instead of worrying about them, you can actually use all of this energy to think about what am I going to do? And if that doesn't work out, you know, what is a good potential plan B? But ultimately, what I try to get people to really develop is trust in themselves. In other words, if you can get to a place where you really believe, I can handle no matter what happens, right? I will figure it out, then you're golden because we don't know what's going to happen. But if you trust yourself to figure it out, then it really doesn't matter, right? You can throw me into any situation and it might be new in the beginning and it might be unfamiliar and I might not know what to expect. But you know, if, you, if I have the mindset of, okay, so I'll learn what I need to learn about this and then I'll figure out how to get my way out of it, then I don't have to feel worried about, well, what's going to happen and how am I going to handle it? Because I don't know. I don't, I don't have to know. I just have to know that I'm a resilient human being and I've got a brain that I can use to help me and that I can adapt to situations. And if you can develop that mindset, it will serve you anywhere you go. And I think sometimes as a physician, we kind of shortchange ourselves into believing that there's only one way to do things or that there is a path that we must follow and that um, we're not capable of owning our thoughts and creating our futures in ways that may be different from medicine, like in business or um, in our personal lives, um, yet we've been so successful, you know, to, to just get through medical school or, you know, in some cases, some people have a PhD. I mean, just in life in general and having that confidence in yourself that you can respond and use those thoughts to your advantage um, to get through, you know, different situations and help yourself. Um, you know, I think building confidence in that in yourself um, and giving yourself the compassion that you need to experience that and, and evaluate it and be able to say, this is a tool for me and not feel guilty about, you know, looking into that and um, having that as part of your, you know, everyday life. Yeah. I mean, I think you've made so many good points there. It's, it's really so much of it is about how you're thinking about yourself and how you're thinking about situations. There isn't only one way to do things. Um, and you are, you know, if you've been through medical school, you are somebody who's dealt with a lot of uncertainty because I mean, forget now that you're in your job, but what about when you went through medical school, how much unknown did you go through and you survived that, right? You figured it out. You didn't know what was going to happen day to day. So, you've been through some very, very stressful times and you've made it to the other side. And if you could do that, you can tell yourself, well, then I can really do anything, right? And I think that can be a very empowering place to be where it's like, I don't have to know. But what I do know is that I have survived some really, really stressful challenges. I've made it where a lot of people 
who have attempted haven't made it. And so if I could do that, I can do this, whatever this is at that time. And um, yeah, I think just giving yourself a lot more credit mm -hmm. for being capable, believing in yourself is huge. It's, it's actually, um, it's what we call self-efficacy. And that's one of my E's. <laughs> Oh, so it's, it's really, yeah, it's a really important piece of the puzzle because you have to be able to believe in your abilities to do whatever it is that you need to do so that you're not feeling overwhelmed, right? We feel overwhelmed. We feel incredibly stressed out and anxious when we don't have that on board. And just showing up for yourself and saying, you know what, um, this is a way that I can make myself better. And, you know, I've gone through all this training and, you know, to just focus on the self-efficacy. I love that. That is, that is excellent. Um, you know, I think a lot of times physicians spend so much of their lives um, taking care of other people and not putting themselves first in different situations where they probably should or um, realize that, you know, a little bit later than is optimal. Yeah. And I, I did talk about that in the book because it's definitely sure. like the profile of somebody who ends up burning out, right? When mm -hmm. we are such givers and we're always thinking about the other person and putting other people first that we're not taking as good care of ourselves as we can be. And so this whole thing is basically saying that, <clears throat> you know, burnout is something that you can prevent mm -hmm. if you start to think differently, if you start to implement different things um, than what you're doing right now, if you're um, having more boundaries, if you're changing some of your beliefs about yourself and about how things are and so forth. So there's like a ton in there um, that I think can really help you have a very different experience in the workplace. And essentially that's, that's my biggest message I would say is I don't, I know that a lot of times when people burn out, they think like they need an exit strategy. They, I can't do this anymore is kind of the mentality. And I'm not saying that, you know, you, you shouldn't change your career or change your job. But ultimately, I think if you learn these life skills that I talk about in the book, you might find that you can stay exactly where you are and just have a completely different experience. And so, so often I see that physicians have worked so hard to get to where they are that it would be really heartbreaking to see them drop out of medicine because they love the work. It's just they can't necessarily manage their mind and situations that are happening that they're perceiving as really stressful because it's unfortunately not something that they teach you in medical school. Mm -hmm. Right? You would think because it's such a stressful environment that they would have a whole section on how to manage stress, how to like manage your mind, emotional intelligence, like all the things that help you really be successful in the world. And unfortunately, I mean, not just in medicine, really anywhere, they don't teach you this stuff ever. So it's something that us coaches have to help people with. And that way they can sustain their, their well-being in the workplace. And that's why we buy your book. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that's why I write these books, right? So that exactly. people can read them and, and utilize them to their benefit. Absolutely. And I, I love your expertise. 
I'm really happy that we were able to talk about um, the seven E's. And I'm really looking forward to reading and sharing the book with people that I think might benefit from it and looking at the extra bonus modules that you said that you have um, to offer to people in the future. Excellent. Excellent. Is there any um, word of advice that you would give to people um, who are currently, you know, working from home or, I mean, when you think about it, wasn't everyone's dream to work from home before (laughs) then it became this huge nightmare? (laughs) You know, I think, I think it's funny that you say that because I have some clients that say, you know, I really wanted to work from home and at first it was so much fun and now I can't wait to get back to work. Right. I can't wait to be in the office. I feel so isolated. So I think it's kind of a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Some people love it. Other people don't. And I think if you have kids and they're schooling from home, you probably don't love it. <laughs> um, so It's different for everyone. But what the, the biggest tip I have for people who are working from home is to have a cutoff time for work. You know, it's so easy for us to start to blend our work time with our personal time because Mm -hmm. guess what? Your bedroom or whatever room you're using for your office is also like where you sleep and where you eat and where you, you know, do all your personal stuff. And so all of a sudden an email comes in and it's nine o'clock at night and you feel like you have to answer it or you feel like you have to read it and you have to be really disciplined and turn it off. So figure out what time that is for you. If it's five, if it's six, whatever time, pick a time. And then do not touch that until the next morning so that you can really allow yourself a time to focus on yourself and to recover because this is what happens. This is how people burn out is they're constantly on, Mm -hmm. right? And if we don't have that chance to recover our energy, it's, you know, think of yourself like a battery. Like if you're not going to recharge your phone, what's going to happen? Right. It's going to die, right? And then you're not going to be able to use it anymore. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, well, I, you know, I forgot to plug it in. Well, you need, you need the same sort of plug-in, even though there's not, you know, a socket in the wall for you. <laughs> you, have to, you have to find ways to recharge, whatever that means, whether it's, you know, just not focusing on work and, enjoying time with your family, whether it's exercising, whether it's meditating, whatever it is, you need to create that time away from work in order to really recharge properly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if you get that email at 9 p.m., um, you know, in the evening, then you will have an idea of who you can gift the book to. <laughs> I love <They're> it. Also <laughs> potentially burning out. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> yes, and, that's where the, that's where the light bulb goes off, and you're like, "Oh yes, yes, <laughs> I can share this knowledge." Christmas gift. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Grossman. I am so honored that you were able to come and talk with us here on the podcast today. And in our show notes, we'll have all of the information on how you can get in contact with Dr. Grossman if you're interested in coaching with her, or if you would like to take a look at her book or um, purchase her book or gift it to someone else. 
and um, all of her contact information will be in the show notes. And I really do appreciate your time today. Well, excellent. I really enjoy talking to you. And I, yeah, I hope it was helpful for the listeners. So thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much.